0: Hi, I'm Darren Ride. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Hey! Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Ride, and this is part two of two of a conversation with Dr. Ed Drulo about disciple making and postmodernism. So let's jump in where we cut it off last time.
1: Yeah, there are some big challenges in this postmodern time when it comes to the communication of what truth is all about. Because uh, in the process of seeking to make disciples, we can just, uh, you know, establish a relationship uh, and invite people into maybe that experience without them fully understanding the implications of what the truth May be as far as their own uh, sin is concerned, their need for, um, you know, uh, really coming to the cross and the significance of all of that. Um, And yeah, just to try to convince people today about the uniqueness of the Christian faith uh, is a huge challenge. Mm. Uh, And the danger is that we become so encompassing, so inclusive that we don't make clear distinctions there of what it means to be, to really recognize this uniqueness of Jesus and what it means yeah. to follow him.
0: Yeah, I, I found it interesting in your book, especially in this chapter on evangelism, how you, you basically drew on the, the picture of Israel in exile. Uh, you know, as a good, as a as a very good parallel to what we're facing mm-hmm. as believers in postmodern times, mm-hmm. and you you gave several examples and focused in on Daniel, of course, Daniel, and really yes. talked mm-hmm. about that. So talk about how the mm-hmm. parallels between us and Israel in exile, and particularly Daniel, and how that changes the way we function in in evangelism and disciple making in this era right now.
1: Yeah, well, this is a, is a huge aspect of the revelation of God in the scriptures is, is Israel's uniqueness as far as God's plan. How God revealed to them who he really was through the law to begin with and uh, walked with them uh, first through uh, giving them emancipation from slavery in Israel mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, setting up a whole nation that was uniquely uh, committed to uh, serving God in the way that he had revealed. And then in the process, making a distinction between them and the people around them. And this whole thing about them entering the promised land and driving out, <laughs> you know, the people around them. That, that's a really difficult thing for us to get a handle on. But, but it, it just emphasizes this distinction but then you have people uh, you know during the the time of the exile when they failed to be obedient to god and god's uh, had to judge them by uh, bringing allowing the enemy to come in and take them out of their own country and their own worship uh, of the temple and so on into babylon <clears throat> and here you have a guy like daniel coming forward <clears throat> and having to live as a person of 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 God in the midst of that, and how God uses him.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, I, I think yeah, I have a series of messages in which I talk about uh, Daniel's uh, uh, emphasis on uh, well, there's an emphasis on his uh, his prayer, for example, and the fact that he was really. Uh, uh, well, I, I forget how I put it now. He was he 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 saw himself as being distinct from from the people. But he really sought to represent God amidst the uh, world in which he lived, uh, despite the differences. And he stood for God. Oh yeah, he was purposeful. He's very purposeful. He was uh, prayerful. He uh, there's a couple of other uh, <laughs> message topics that I have there that I've <laughs> forgotten. But uh, but yeah, uh, he and and others, you know, lived in that time and place. But continue to serve God. And I think that's a, that's a call upon our lives as well in the world in which we live, to, to, to stand for God, to stand for what he has revealed, to stand for Jesus. Um, and it's the, the uh, tendency for everybody to say we're all the same, hmm. you know, that we shouldn't make these differences. So I think I think this may lead to intensified uh, resistance and uh, discrimination, if I can use that word, against Christians, and even then persecution as well because of, of the particular stand that we take.
0: Yeah, well, I would say certainly, and it's already happened, certainly marginalization. Yeah. You know, where, where you know, historically, maybe even in, in the time of your ministry, not quite in mine, but in yours, yeah. there was a certain status even given to pastors to the church seen as a a valuable part of society where Mm -hmm. marginalization is very clear Mm -hmm. and and very intentional it would seem Mm -hmm. and and we tend to want to cling to power and cling to being you know included in the mainstream culture but that that Mm -hmm. ship has sailed in my mind Mm -hmm. and we are now learning to function in a place of being marginalized like daniel yeah. He was not in a position. Yeah, he had a position of influence because of his mm-hmm. character and wisdom. But mm-hmm. he wasn't in a position of power as being central to the culture. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a lot we can learn from Daniel, even as you unpack in the book there. Mm-hmm. But this, this idea of being marginalized and yet mm-hmm. still being called to bring a message mm-hmm. that challenges the mainstream.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, one of the things that I point out in the book is, you know, from the life of Jesus, for example. Like, <clears throat> Jesus was so impressive in, in so many of the things that he did. You know, <clears throat> and he cared about people, but in the end, despite how much he cared for people, he ended up being criticized severely and of course being uh put on trial and then and then crucified, right so <laughs> in spite of his attempt to really care and love for people as much as he did uh you know he he, he he wasn't successful in bringing everybody together, of course, and that wasn't his purpose. Mm. His purpose was to save the people out of the culture so that they might be him forever. So I think we can learn a lot just simply from the life of Jesus. And of course, as we look at the other apostles as well, particularly Paul, who's written so much of the New Testament, we see the same. He had a tremendous zeal to make the gospel known to Gentiles, especially, mm. right? But, at the same time, uh, he made distinctions. and he he was criticized, and he was he was imprisoned in the end. And, of course, in the end, he was martyred for his faith. Yeah.
0: well, again, even even Jesus and the early <clears> church existed in a culture where they were not the dominant ones. They were, yeah, exactly. they were in an occupied situation. and yeah. uh, and that's where we get the, you know, the yeah. metaphors of salt yeah. and light, yeah, you know exactly and perfume, this idea of yeah. of being influential and permeating.
1: Yeah, almost,
0: yeah. almost subversively in some ways it seems. Yeah, exactly. But still maintaining mm-hmm. a distinction.
1: Yeah, exactly. But not
0: being again, and this is something I think in North America, and I would say maybe a little more south of the border uh, between Canada and the U.S. This, mm-hmm. this, this uh, quest for power for Christianity to be manifested in power. Right. Uh, that that's we we want that like we we do yeah. crave that. We who who yeah. doesn't want to be in control and in charge? Yeah, exactly. And yet the context of the gospel mm-hmm. and your your exile illustration of the Old Testament, is representing God when we're not in a position of power.
1: Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, very challenging kind of situation because we're called to love and care for people regardless. But at the same time, uh, ultimately, we, we call people to who Jesus is and following him. Hmm. And we have to, somewhere along the line, demonstrate that there's a difference between us and the world that we live in, uh, but to do this in very uh, humble ways, for one thing, and uh, um, powerless ways from a from a worldly point of view, mm. and so we may not look very good at times as far as the right. world is concerned.
0: Well, and I think it's again, Jesus exercised real power in his context. We, we talk about the miraculous. We also talk about the relational power he had, the fact that the outcasts were attracted to him. You know, there, There's real power. And you do make passing reference, not more than passing towards the end of your chapter, about the issue of the miraculous in Signs and Wonders and, and a recognition of that. And um, I know you don't want to make that the be all and end, all, but it seems to me that is something that can cut through the fog a little bit.
1: You know, one of the things that I think is really important for us in the church today is to, and who are followers of Jesus, to to be able to demonstrate, and people, people are looking for this, to demonstrate the reality of our faith in the sense that it works. Mm. So uh, even during this last month, for example, I've been recording uh, uh, prayers that I have or, or uh, requests that I have of God. And then each day marking off how he answers prayer. Hmm. And to me, this is really important. People say, you believe in prayer, does prayer really work? Hmm. Well, I think we ought to be able to demonstrate the fact that God is very real in our lives by the things that are happening, by the way he answers prayer, by how we're dealing with issues and suffering as it comes along. For example, how we're dealing with with COVID, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, we need to be prepared to say, uh, following Jesus is is just like it was in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's real. It works. It uh, God God is with us, and we can we can demonstrate that in various ways. So this yeah, is and really I would say, I mean, you
0: yeah, I mean, you mentioned COVID. I would say in, in unsettled times in general, mm-hmm. which we are in and will be in for forever, probably now. In yeah. some ways. That I think one of the distinctions, perhaps, is having that sense of peace, that sense of certainty, that sense of calm, yep. uh, that sense of identity, yeah,
1: yeah. that
0: is not tied to these shifting circumstances, but is tied yeah, to who yeah. Jesus is and what He's done for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think
0: that's that could that can become a huge distinction. I think.
1: Yeah, and Darren, another distinction that comes to mind just even as we're talking about this is the significance of. Of character traits that reflect mm. the person of Christ, yes. right? What it means to be loyal, what it means to be, um, uh, committed to what's right and good, uh, to be disciplined, to be people who, who know how to love and yet people who are free, mm. who are not, uh, legalistic in the way that they relate to life. But, uh, but, are, but are, are free to engage in life and enjoy life, and uh, and yet who who really are committed to high standards of what morality is really all about. Mm. Uh, yeah. These these are really things that in the end people look to, and one of the things they look at I think is how we genuinely care for people mm. and love people around us. So that's yeah. a that's an ongoing challenge for all of us.
0: <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, Jesus said even love for one another as believers. You know, th- there seems to be such fragmentation in the church between believers and, and different theological nuance on, yeah. you know, secondary, if not tertiary issues. Yeah. That, that it, it seems like if somebody doesn't check off a very particular checklist, yeah, seen as false teachers now.
1: Yeah, and, exactly. And
0: Jesus yeah. said, yeah. yeah, they'll know your mind if you love each other. And so I think yeah. we have got some yeah. work to do there. Yeah. And the character yeah. side, you know, the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. To me is. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Yeah, exactly. To me, that is the character yeah. of Christ.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And a
0: person who represents that and lives that, all. I think, will be distinct in the right ways. Yeah, yeah. And will be attractive like Jesus is.
1: Yeah. Another thing that character should characterize uh, believers, especially in our time, is a sense of, of passion mm. and enthusiasm. Whether it's in our worship or uh, in our love for life, in our optimism. Uh, in yeah. our, our sense of care for people, again, that w- that we are passionate about life, uh, yeah. that that we see God as being good despite yeah. all the evil and suffering that that abounds around us. So, so yeah. that we are enthusiastic that we're yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we, we get excited. Right?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you've you've been through an era, and as I grew up in a little bit where. Mm-hmm. There was a great fear about emotionalism, and emotion, <laughs> right? How how yeah, we yeah. were so skewed towards the modernistic truth, yeah, stern yeah. checklist belief yeah, yeah. That yeah. the passion side didn't show. And I think yeah, you know yeah. that that whether it's been worship renewal or you know or, or charismatic yeah. emphases of some kind or other, the yeah, rise yeah. of the passion side and the emotion side has probably been a good yeah. thing. But well, it ha- in our time those to hang on to the truth side as well
1: yeah and along with that, I mean is this new emphasis in many for many of us on the ministry of the spirit and and mm. how how important the Holy Spirit is in our in our lives and ministry as well. As someone said recently, you know uh, there, there are there are churches that emphasize just the fatherhood of God, right mm. our, as evangelicals have tended to focus on on Jesus and and, and the significance of Jesus, which is good. But sometimes we've left out the the importance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit mm. and I think if we're going to be genuine in our faith we we need to have a balance between the significance of the members of the Trinity, and one of the uh, emphasis that we need to move toward without becoming uh you know unorthodox in our way of experiencing the thing it is the is the ministry of the spirit mm-hmm. and, and with you know we may not there may be elements within the charismatic movement that we have concerns about, rightfully so. But at the same time, the scripture speaks so much about the ministry of the spirit. Hmm. And I noticed that you've just done a, a, a series or a, a podcast on on the ministry of the spirit. And I was just listening to it this morning, actually, <laughs> and how important the, the the ministry of the Holy Spirit is with respect to, to making disciples.
0: Yeah. Well, again, there, there's there's theological reasons for that. And and now, even as we've talked about and practical reasons for that, mm-hmm. that we need the life of the Spirit. I mean, it's the fruit of the Spirit that we talk yeah. about, joy, peace. It is, yeah. Yeah. the Spirit is one who empowers us to be witnesses, yeah, you know, to yeah. make disciples. Yeah. And I think disciple-making is, if nothing else, mm-hmm. a, a transference of the life of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, the, where does Christ-like character come from? Not from my... Yeah, Uh, not from my discipline and not from my grit in my teeth. It comes from the work of the Spirit.
1: Yeah, you know. And and
0: how does someone convicted of the need for repentance and where does faith come from? It's repentance is a gift of the Spirit. Faith is a work of the Spirit through the Word. You know.
1: Yeah, and through the Word you mentioned there at the end, and I just would emphasize the fact that you can't separate any of this Mm. from the significance and importance of Scripture. Yeah, and and sometimes in the postmodern times in which you live in. Scripture, I find, is being downplayed as not being as important because the emphasis is on experience. Yeah. And so we, we don't take Scripture as as seriously maybe in our study and even application as as sometimes we should. And I think we need to be careful about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, there there is well. talk, you know, about the, the word-spirit <clears throat> uh, balance or word-spirit in some cases dichotomy, and we need mm. the word and we, we need, need the, the spirit. Yeah, and we yeah. need to emphasize the Father and the Son yeah. and the Spirit. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, times change, but I think all of those things are always important. It's yeah. just that in this era, yeah. we've got to make sure that we hang on to the things that culture is trying to marginalize. Yeah. And and bring to life the things that maybe we have marginalized historically in the church.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great day to be alive, Darren. Uh, a great opportunity. I... I think there's the potential of a new generation being raised up. That's going to bring uh, a spiritual revival in a way that's different than we've known it in the past and during a modern period of the 17 and 1800s, for example, uh, and even during the 20th century, but now there's the potential of, of, greater understanding of what this is all about and what it means to be passionate about reaching people with the gospel, uh, there's tremendous opportunity, but, but we got to hang on to the importance of scripture, the gospel in my mind, which is essential uh, as we go forward in this, uh, in this process. But I, I'm hoping that God's going to raise up a generation that's going to be more zealous than even the previous one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, well, and, and we're not dead yet, Ed. You know, no. <laughs> as long as we've got a pulse, you know, he, he can revive dry bones any old time. And uh, that, and that's maybe a good spot to land. I think that was a good summarizing statement. I, I just am grateful again for Ed Drulo and his, his work on this. Again, the book, Thoughtful adaptations to Change, you can find it online and everywhere else. And Ed, if people want to know more about you, where should they find you?
1: Uh, Well, they can, uh, you know, just go to my website, which is either Second Wind Ministries uh, or just my name, Edwin Drulo. If they go online, punch that in, they'll come to my website and uh, get in touch with me by that means.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. Thanks so much,
1: uh, Darren. I really, really appreciate uh, the opportunity to uh, share with you in this context.
0: Hey, thanks for sharing your wisdom. Thanks for the, the rigorous thinking you've given to this. Because I think it's really what's needed and does make a difference. So thanks, Ed. Keep keep doing what you do. Keep making disciples, buddy.
1: Yeah, you too. God bless you. <laughs> thanks so much, Darren. Yeah, see ya. Bye.
0: Thanks for joining me for this two-part episode of an interview with Dr. Ed Drula about postmodernism and evangelism. In our next episode, my co-host, Tim Beadle, will be back. And we'll be talking about a couple of resources, some old resources that we have found very, very helpful in disciple-making. Thanks again. See you soon. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com
1: Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.